you're looking for insight into the vast world of information security, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the InfoSec Sync podcast, the only top-rated information security podcast committed to helping you enhance your cyber skill set. Listen in on conversations with world-class information security thought leaders, subject matter experts, authors, and more as we exchange ideas, best practices, and discuss the latest trends, threats, strategies, and solutions for your success. So get ready to get in sync with your host, Nick Thomas. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the InfoSec Sync podcast, where we keep you in sync with the ever-changing world of information security. I'm your host, Nick Thomas, and today's episode focuses on the National Cyber Summit, where yours truly interviews keynote and thought leadership speakers. The National Cyber Summit is the nation's most innovative cybersecurity technology event, offering unique educational, collaborative, and workforce development opportunities for industry visionaries and rising leaders. Due to last year's pandemic, the conference was canceled. However, this year, the National Cyber Summit will be presented in full force September 28th through the 30th in Rocket City, Huntsville, Alabama. Ramping up for this year's conference, I will be airing recent past interviews from 2019's conference I've conducted. First up is my interview with then Brigadier General Jennifer Buckner, where she was the Director of Cyber for the U.S. Army. In this interview, we discuss modernization efforts of the Army, integrated capabilities, and more. Here's the interview. Hey, Nick Thomas here at the 11th Annual National Cyber Summit in Huntsville, Alabama, and I have sitting with me the Brigadier General Jennifer Buckner. She's the Director of Cyber for the U.S. Army for G3, G5, and G7. Welcome, ma'am. How are you? Thanks for having me. So it was a great speech we just sat through at lunch. You just went on and on about modernization efforts of the Army, cyber talent development, and some a whole bunch of other things. So. Let's get started. Can you start talking about where the Army currently is and where you're going with cyber? I know that's a big question, but It is. We just devoted 45 (laughs) minutes at lunch to talk about that. But um, thanks for the opportunity to highlight. You know, I kind of, I tried to boil it down to three priorities uh, and really how we're looking at it. I think this is shared with uh, the services as well as U.S. Cyber Command. And how we would address, uh, we would include and integrate cyber in terms of readiness, risk, and then integrated capabilities across all of our, both the service, um, the forces that we present to the joint force, as well as our own service commands. So in the Army, that means we're growing cyber electronic warfare and information operations across every echelon. So a tactical uh, brigade combat team will soon have its own organic cyber EW and IO forces. That's that's So a cyber soldier. We, well, we it's have awesome, cyber soldiers right? already. Right. We're growing more of them okay. and bringing them, again, to every echelon, which I think is a, a really tremendous effort. Okay, cool. So um, it, you talked a little bit about industry partnership you're going to need help with. Can you explain, explain that a little bit? It's really great to connect with so many industry partners here um, who are investing significantly oh. in um, cyber talent development. Um, and that means everything from you know uh, sponsoring Gen Cyber com- camps with Cyber Command and the National Security Agency, um, local coding camps. I love the Girls Who Code um, efforts. Uh, Go Girls Cyber Start. 
I think there are some robotics and um, teams and cyber defense competitive teams that are competing at the local level, uh, cyber patriot teams and coaching. Industry is really key to those partnerships and we know that we, we can't assess uh, cyber soldiers um, unless they have some foundational elements that really start as young as kindergarten. And so the industry partnerships here have been key to developing cybersecurity talent, not just for the Army uh, and not just for the military, but certainly for our nation. Okay, so um, I know you had six level of efforts for the modernization. You want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, thanks for the, the ability <laughs> to highlight um, the, six, the Army's six modernization priorities because we're really looking not just to deliver cyber niche cyber solutions, but really to present cyber as a part of these modernization priorities. Uh, Long-range precision fires, next generation combat vehicle, future vertical lift, network, air and missile defense, and soldier lethality. As a part of soldier, or we, we also have two cross-cutting efforts. That's uh, our virtual reality training environment, which includes a synthetic training environment and cyber range aspect, oh. uh, as well as assured or resilient PNT. Awesome, that, that was a lot of stuff I know. to go through. I, but again, not presenting cyber solutions, but instead integrating cyber across all of those uh, modernization and readiness priorities. All right, General, well, we thank you for your time. Thank I know you. you're busy, lady. Thanks, Nick, so, I appreciate it. All right, thanks, thanks for coming out. Have a good one. Jennifer Buckner is now retired from the U.S. Army and provides her subject matter expertise to MasterCard, where she is the Senior Vice President of Technology Risk and Security Governance risk, and compliance. Next up is Robert Lee, founder and CEO of Dragos Incorporated. In this quick interview, Robert and I discuss industrial control system cybersecurity, the industrial threat landscape, the mission to protect it, and how Dragos helps companies protect themselves. Here's the interview. Hey, Nick Thomas here at the 11th Annual National Cyber Summit in Huntsville, Alabama. And with me, we have the CEO of a company named Dragos out of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, Robert Lee's the CEO. He is one of the speakers here that just spoke to a big crowd of people about industrial cybersecurity. So first of all, welcome to uh, Huntsville. Yeah, thanks and, um, for me. Let's tell our uh, viewers and listeners uh, what you talked about today. Yeah, so really I looked at it from a, an understanding of what is the industrial threat landscape. In other words, we talk about enterprise security all the time, we have a lot of controls and best practices and things we talk about on the enterprise side, but the world of industrial is just different. And our mission is different. We think a lot about safety and reliability and equipment that's not meant to do all the things you normally do in IT. Uh, but there's unique industrial threats to them, and so we still have to be thinking about security. All right. So I walked through a number of the attacks that, that uh, my team has been involved with, from uh, the Ukraine 2015 Ukraine 2016 attacks to uh, the attacks we've been seeing lately in Saudi Arabia. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, your team and um, research that you guys do? Yeah, so we've taken a little bit of a different approach to a technology company. So by and, by and large, we are a tech company. But I, I think that the best place and the best way to make good technology is to have practitioners, people that actually know how to use the technology you're making. So we've got a services team that goes out and does research and goes out and does instant response and kind of um, gets involved in the field. We've got a team that tracks the threats. Uh, they're an Intel team, and they're constantly trying to drive it back to our tech. Um, so one of the things that we do, since there's not a lot of companies like us, actually we're the only ICS security company in the United States uh, that's actually doing anything like we're doing, and I think globally we're the only ones with an Intel team. And so we kind of view it a little bit as our responsibility to constantly be informing the community and educating. Wow. 
So outside of what we sell, uh, we're constantly publishing papers and research and everything for free and just download and go try to learn more about industrial threats. And obviously being up in the Baltimore, Maryland area, you're close to NSA. You probably have some um, ex-NSAers or ex-contractors that, uh, that worked at NSA. So they know about uh, the threat intel picture, threat intelligence. Um, they know the APTs. Yeah, the no, advanced absolutely. persistent threats to go to. And you're right, it's it's no longer just TCP IP. You're talking about programmable uh, logic chips and uh, PLCs and everything that uh, SCADA uh, IDSs look at. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's our modern world, right? I yeah. think when most people think industrial, they've largely over the years thought uh, utilities and maybe oil and gas. Um, but then they start realizing, oh, there's rail and maritime and uh, and rockets for yeah. Huntsville, Alabama. Like, yeah. it, what they sort of realize is every company outside of an insurance and financial firm or bank it is an industrial company. It's where they make all their business with what powers our world. Um, so the fun thing about being on the industrial side of the house is it's all the most critical components of the most critical companies out there. And so the work is really meaningful and the stakes are high. Uh, you start talking about advanced threats breaking into these locations. It's not just uh, steal passwords or some intellectual property, although yeah. that can be important. Um, it's the compromising of safety and reliability to our most vital infrastructures. It's also insider threat in our most... In, it, uh, Absolutely. There have been plenty of cases of insiders and, that uh, have reversed the flow of sewage, to, uh, taking down small portions of power. I mean, there's been a lot of disruption from, uh, I don't want to say idiots, but uh, <laughs> uh, malicious individuals uh, that were, had privileged access. All right, so um, great stuff. Can you tell uh, our viewers and listeners how to get in touch with you or your company? Yeah, sure. So our website's just dragos.com. Um, and like I said, on there we have free tools and free research and everything else for folks. Uh, for the industrial company, sure, you can contact us for business purposes, but we, we do try to do a lot of education And stuff. a lot of white papers on there as well? Yeah, tons. Yeah. Awesome. So Robert Lee, CEO of Dragos, Thank you so thanks much. for showing up. Appreciate thanks. it. Thanks again, Robert, for that interview. The last interview for this episode is with Ms. Shirley Zhao. At the time, Ms. Zhao was Principal Program Manager and Product Security Compliance and Governance for BlackBerry. We discussed BlackBerry's cyber landscape, customers, and more. Here's the interview. Hey, Nick Thomas here at the 11th Annual National Cyber Summit in Huntsville, Alabama. And today I'm joined by Ms. Shirley Zhao. She's one of the speakers here, and she's also the Principal Program Manager of BlackBerry's Product Security uh, Governance Program. She's a known uh, cybersecurity and industry expert, and she has years of experience in both consulting and industry. She's also spoken at ISACA, and she's also spoken at NIST. And today she's going to um, do a speech on business-driven security here at NCS. So Shirley, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, for having me here. Thanks for taking your time out to be with us. So I've been hearing some things about BlackBerry, about um, new transformation. So can you give us some more inf information about that? Sure. Uh, thanks for asking this question because I get to be asked this question a lot. Okay. Uh, and we have transformed to be a software company and we focus on the Internet of Things and cybersecurity and artificial uh, intelligence. And uh, we have uh, a portfolio of different software, software uh, for helping our customer uh, secure the enterprise through the unified endpoint solution. And we have the very popular QNX, the software for the automobile industry to secure and power driver's assistant system. Um, we have 
many people didn't realize we have a quite a very large customer base and all customers are in the industry and government worldwide and in many different sectors and financial, healthcare. You can find our software being used by the universities and hospitals and I often tell people even in the outer space because NASA is our customer too. And recently we acquired um, Silence. It's an artificial security company, has wonderful product. Mm -hmm. And through this acquisition, we are gonna incorporate artificial intelligence into our product line. It's very exciting, uh, very illuminating. Awesome, so you've, you've spent many years consulting. So what most excites you now working in the software industry? They both excite me, but they are, definitely different. Mm -hmm. First of all, to me, this is a culture shift, the way that I look at it. Because in the consulting space, and I had the opportunity to work on many different projects. And every project is specific to my customers, specific organizational need. And I operated at the enterprise level, the department level. So um, the line of business and IT organization, their relationship could be very complex. So that requires us to be process driven, right? And you need that because of um, there just the level of complexity. You want to leverage the process to become more structured and more organized. And many people may call it as red tape, but mm -hmm. just like I said, this you know, the level of complexity required that you have some process built into it. In working in the industry, see, I feel like we are focusing on technology and solutions, and we have to build a product that is intended uh, to serve many different customers. So the product needed to be more creative. Uh, you need to provide a very robust functionality and that can serve, uh, that can satisfy many different level business needs. So you can't really afford uh, letting the process to become a much of the constraint. Speaking of the process, we do have, we do have process, like for software company, you have to be very strict around your security engineering process. We, ha we set a very high standard over that. But the process around creating the product itself and I believe that in the industry, it has to be more open-minded, more creative uh, to stay on the industry trend. And then on the other hand, um, you uh, get the opportunity, like for me, I feel like I have the opportunity to explore uh, things in depth, look at the cybersecurity challenges worldwide, uh, stay informed of the worldwide and threat landscape and what is happening out there. And I work with a global team of very talented professionals. Every day we look at the worldwide, what is happening? What are the most critical concerns for our customer? And we analyze that when we help our customer address those, the most critical ones. So it is a very illuminating process for me. Wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's very exciting. <laughs> um, you'd mentioned earlier that BlackBerry is um, focusing on Internet of Things. So what are, some of the typical concerns or considerations um, of enterprise IoT implementation um, in terms of cybersecurity? 
I think one of the trend is because it's becoming very dominant. Quite every line of business is looking into to adopt IoT.、Um, it bring in a great level of the business transformation to make you more efficient. And whenever we see financial game, we are just, we just can't resist the temptation. So enterprise, they are planning on their IoT implementation. So inevitably, they will be looking at the technology and say, "We need to upgrade our network because the 5G going to connect all things together. So we need to upgrade our network, our infrastructure. We need to add more solution to secure the IoT." I think one critical consideration is. The overall security capability is not just based on the technology solution, also based on the process.、Uh, your overall capability, the people's capability to handle that.、Mm-hmm. I I would give you an example about a for the transportation industry,、uh, the IoT device is being leveraged for managing asset. They're running out in the field, so the IoT devices help them. To become more operational efficient, helping them to manage asset, but they're also、um, they can go beyond a corporate network. They're running out in the field. How do you handle that when there's a cyber attack, right? Right. So you want to look at your organization, your existing process. If your process is currently designed only to handle the things within your corporate network, you want to make adjustment to it. So every single object in this IoT era could become an attack target, and this is very critically、uh, important、uh, for the organization to consider. So part of the、um, part of the process would be things like patching. Yes, yes.、Uh, thank you, thank you, Nick. You just、uh, you just brought up、uh, probably if there's one single most critical thing to consider、uh, patching. Uh, vulnerability management is definitely、uh, the very, very important thing to do.、Uh, I I will give you an, a number because people are going to ask why. Because a lot of people、okay. are, are focusing on zero day attack. Right. So let's speak.、Uh, the next big attack, right? Yeah, with the number. Right. right. And Gartner has had this report: ninety nine percent of the vulnerability exploit. Are based on the existing vulnerability that we know. Are based on the vulnerability that there were a critical patch available, and if we don't apply it, you're very much subject to a very serious attack. The 2017 WannaCry ransomware, it hit organizations worldwide. Those that failed, those their operation was taken down. They failed because they didn't apply that single most important patch. So,、uh, no doubt, vulnerability is, management is very important, and this is even more important for、uh, the Internet of Things because the IoT itself could be very lightweight.、Um, it, it, the physical capacity probably wouldn't allow the auto, automatic or patch process, right? It's a good practice. Then on the other hand,、uh, the devices could be outside of the corporate network.、Right. Mm-hmm. So,、um, at a time that you needed that vulnerability,、uh, the, applying the patch, you wouldn't be able to have that device available for applying the patch. So, patch—I call it patchability.、Um, if 
It's a new word I created, <laughs> just to see how important it is for an organization. This is important now and even going to be more important in the future. So yeah. patchability should be part of the process or included in the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those, uh, it, we got, we hear the new cyber attack every day. Just if you look at individual of them, most of them, they, the attack succeeded because there's some patch that wasn't applied. Yeah. And the biggest one that happened recently is close to uh, where you're located. Oh, thank you, Nick. <laughs> so I'm happy that you're aware of that, and many are not yet. And um, yeah, it is so close to my hometown. Uh, they got hit probably four weeks ago. And what I heard is because I try to uh, look at the news every day with the hope that they have completely recovered. Uh, but Unfortunately, they have not. Right now, um, from the media coverage I learned, it's like uh, some of the city online services are being handled manually. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And probably Even, by paper as well, right? Yeah, by paper <laughs> and billing services. Even real estate cannot conduct their transaction. It's amazing. We still have yet to hear uh, from the expert who are right now working into the scenario to get the root cause analysis that but um, very likely going to be a vulnerability issue so baltimore can use a lot of help right now folks <laughs> artificial intelligence <laughs> um so shirley last question i have for you you've worked on both sides of technology um business consumer providers um what do you think the provider could do to help an organization do better in implementing technology I would say a lot, <laughs> but we all like to solve a problem. Uh, we sell a solution, uh, we see the immediate effect, and we get uh, gratification of having accomplished something. I love that. I mean, I love to uh, move needles, but I am also a fan of long-term efficiency, long-term impact, and because I believe that every uh, single technology decision, you know, technology, IT, or cybersecurity that we make nowadays, uh, we can have quick and dirty solution in place, but everything that we're doing have a long-term implication to an organization, especially the larger one. And thing doesn't really turn out very well, and when organization, when they're facing challenges, then um, they had a tendency of uh, switching on a different solution or switching on to working with a different vendor. I believe a vendor, uh, a technology provider, they're doing business. They're not just selling one product uh, for a period of time. They're selling a relationship, a, a collaboration that should, can go a long way. And I believe by um, by understanding more of your customers' uh, business goals, understanding their strategic goals, objective over a long term, it will help position uh, your product, right, to sit better in that organization scenario to help you to go a long way. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll say to become more strategic mm -hmm. and more become visionary. Uh, become part of the business goals for the organization, it will go a long way. All right. Yeah. Good words. So, Ms. Shirley's out. Thank you for uh, being on and, and speaking with us today and taking the time out. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. Shirley is now Director of Cybersecurity Governance 
Risk and Compliance at BlackBerry. To learn more about the National Cyber Summit and register for this year's event, visit them on the web at nationalcybersummit.com. I hope to see you there this year. I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to spend with me listening or viewing this podcast. Please tell your friends and associates about it and subscribe on your favorite platform. Please send any comments, questions, or requests to me, Nick, at InfoSecSync.com. And as always, thanks for staying in sync with InfoSecSync. That's it for this episode. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, thanks for staying in sync with InfoSecSync. 